Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, I'm excited to welcome my good friend and Go Big to Give Big founding member, Rebecca Zagoda, to the show today. Rebecca trained under Mike Dooley's Infinite Possibilities and has since gone on to go create her own programming underneath him called I Believe in Me, a youth empowerment program that even includes a rap song that helps people remember what it is all about. Rebecca is a special human and is now sharing her programs for free to nonprofits to help spread the message and create more support for kids around the world. You're going to love the energy that she brings to this episode. So I hope you enjoy listening and learning from one of my good friends, Rebecca Segoda. Before we get started today, though, this is a quick reminder that we are launching our Go Big to Give Big membership. If you are looking to get around people that are more excited about talking about the impact they're making in this world more than the cars they're buying, then you're going to want to go check out GoBigToGiveBig.com to get more information and join the most philanthropic group of entrepreneurs out there. Now, back to the show. All right, I'm excited to welcome today's guest, Rebecca Sagoda to the show. Rebecca, thanks so much for coming on. Randy, I am so excited to be here. I've been thinking about this since our first conversation. So thank you so much. There's very few people that I've met that have been as excited about Go Big to Get Big as Steve and I are, and you are one of them. It's yeah. just grown from the first conversation we've had to the friendship that we built now and hopefully some business in the near future. And I'm excited to have you on the show and share a little bit about your story. You do have such an incredible story and there's so many different ways that we could have took this show and we'll see where we end up at the end of the day with it. But one of the first things I'd love for you to just share with our audience is, you know, some people might not know who you are, but I love your story of, you know, how you went from surviving to thriving. And I just love that little tagline. And I'd love for you to share just a little bit of the upcoming bring up that brought you from some of the challenges that you faced, how you overcame them to get to where you are now. Ooh, that's a big ask. In the the, the short (laughs) condensed version, and we'll pick it apart as you start sharing. That's okay. I think part of what's important to, you know, start with is I had one of those childhoods that people talk about that are pretty rough. My mother passed away before I was two. My father was an abusive alcoholic. My sisters were shipped off to foster care. I left home by 16. I was homeless by 19. I've survived lots of things in addition to all of that. But for some strange reason, I... I had the perspective that these were my gifts. The more I learned, and and as an adult, they all gave me something, and I won't go into it all, but I, I think perspective, my perception of what each and everything we experience is, is maybe a little different than what's average. And I think, again, seeing all of those things as my gifts is what really helped me. 
Now, what I would add to that is because of all those things, I played it very small my whole life. If I could have had a superpower, it would be to be invisible. I wanted to be the wallpaper. I wanted to blend in. I am an introvert. I am an empath. I'm a highly sensitive person. I avoided crowds at all costs. That's basically, in a nutshell, kind of who I was. Then at 54, which was in 2012, I attended a conference with Mike Dooley called Infinite Possibilities. And it's not the kind of thing I'd ever done. It was just random, but my life was kind of a disaster in 2012. And I started getting these random emails called notes from the universe. Mm. I didn't know who the universe was. I had no idea why I was getting them, but they were cute and silly and inspiring. And so I read them. At the bottom of one, it said, come to our train the trainer. I didn't even know what that was, but the voice that sometimes speaks to us jumped in my head and said, you have to do this because one day you're going to work with the younger you. Well, as I shared with you in the beginning, there's lots of younger me's that I thought could probably use some helpful information in their life. So I attended the conference. I thought it was brilliant. It's all about living consciously and deliberately and really managing your thoughts, your beliefs, your actions more definitively and approaching your goals and dreams with the knowledge and the understanding you can do this. But you had to manage your mind in order to do it and you had to take action on a daily basis. So as I left the conference, I thought, oh, this material is brilliant but I'm definitely having some imposter syndrome here. <laughs> I can't stand in front of people and do anything. It's not on my list of things I want to do at all. I'm still trying to be the wallpaper, the quiet person. Play it small. Being seen and heard means being hurt in my world. So I took, took it myself. Like I went through the program for me. Instead of whoever I was going to work with one day, I took it for me and I did the work. And the next thing you know, my life was doing a 180. So from that 180 position, I taught the program for a couple of years. I started off with just one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then one day a friend of mine said, do you think you could teach this to kids? And I said, well, it's not a kid's program. And she said, I know, but could you make it a kid's program? So I went to see her at the Homeless Families Foundation where she was an art therapist and looked around, met the kids. Several synchronicities happened. I could go on and on, but the long and short of it is I looked in the cafeteria and then on the wall, there's a giant mural of the cover of Mike Dooley's children's book. And the tagline is, all they need is you. And I read it and I started to cry. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is apparently what it meant when I was hearing that I would work with the younger me. Wild. So I put the program together. I started working with kids. That's how it began. My life by then had changed so much. I gathered corporate sponsorships to start the program. And the next thing you know, I was like, I'm just going to do this for free because this is making me so happy. And when the kids stopped looking at me like this, like, what are you going to teach us? And started coming in and hugging me because this information was helping them so much. I felt something I hadn't ever really quite felt before. 
and it's and it's good. So that's the beginning. Now I yeah. can keep I'll, talking. I want to I want to I want to pause you. Question. I want to pause you there. That was exactly as I wanted you to share. It was just how inspiring it was to you know go through the the challenging childhood, be that fly on the wall that nobody wanted to hear, and then you know, later in life, deciding that you wanted to be bold and stand up and try something new and try something different. How long did it take you to feel comfortable getting out of your shell? And what were some of the skills that you learned along the way to say, hey, I went from just being the shy person, probably sitting in the back of the room, deciding if it was me to standing at the front of the room and teaching it to people and feeling confident to get up there? It took about two years. So I did this work on myself for myself for about two years. And again, I started small. I couldn't imagine myself still in front of a room full of people. So I worked with it one-on-one. -on -one. But the more I taught it, the more I coached people using it, the more I became what I was working with. I was correcting my own thoughts. I was looking at my own limiting beliefs and turning them into empowering beliefs. I was making sure I was taking action every day in the direction of my hopes and dreams. So I, I would have always been a walk the talk or don't say it kind of person. So I believe in being authentic. I'm not just going to BS somebody, especially a child. So I felt like if I'm going to teach this and share it, I have to embody it. I have to do it. And I I, I think that that's part of the answer and, and this specific quantitative. It took about two years of me doing that before I began to feel like I was worthy yeah. of sharing and standing in front of someone and offering them the message. So one of my friends before I did actually teach, it was about 18 months in, she said, when are you gonna share the message? She said, look at your life, look what's happened in your life. And I said, yeah, but I still, and she said, no, this isn't about you, Rebecca, it's about the message. And that's when I went, oh my gosh, I have to get out of the way. I'm sharing a message that's turned my life around. So I had to just realize it really, it, it's not about me. Nobody was going to look at me and think you're this, that, or the other thing. They're going to hear the message if it resonates. And the change will come from that. that is so when I heard go big to give big, that's a message that resonated. That's awesome. And and I know so many people are so scared to share their message. It's such a common theme that so many people have these incredible transformations. They go through so much stuff and they're so scared to share it. And then as soon as you say something like, but what if your message impacted one person and saved one person's life or got them out of the situation they were in or did this kind of thing? And all of a sudden they take a one and like, oh, what a different perspective on how it went and where it's going. So I appreciate you sharing that. I got one more quick question then I'll pass it over to Steve maybe for a few other ones. But you obviously had some success in that space, and then you started getting into this kid's space. You then created a new program called I Believe in Me, which is your kid's program. And you are, I'll say, endorsed and made through Mike Dooley to, to build this. How did that mindset shift go? And now you've just started teaching you know, Mike's program. Then all of a sudden, you're like, hey, Mike, I actually want to create a spinoff, and I want to, you know, your blessing, or I want to do it underneath your programming. Like, how did you get a in touch with Mike to create all this and offer and create a pitch where you say, "Hey, I actually have. I want to take what you've created and kind of create a spinoff." Like that's not. I, I want to say like that takes a lot of courageousness for someone to step up and ask. Actually, I just did it. 
happened. (laughs) (laughs) I did it and I started posting on Facebook. Now, I always attributed that this was his material, but I was just creating a derivative of it for a younger audience. I used the same key points. I covered the same chapters with little adjustments for children versus adults. And he noticed what I was doing and he reached out to me. Wow. And said, how can I help? This is brilliant. So not only did he endorse it, but he encouraged it. And since that time, I've spoken at all of our trainer conferences because he wants people to understand that this is what he wants his message to do. Not just be this specific foundational message, but who is your audience? Who wants to hear you? So share the concepts. Do it in your own voice. This is all part of what he embraces and endorses. And People have rewritten for corporate, they've rewritten for other audiences, but again, mine specifically was the children until last year when I also created the new one for adults who need permission to dream again. They've given up on life. That is amazing. And why don't you just quickly touch on that one then, and then we can go. So you've created the Well-Traveled for the Soul, which is your- through the Well-Traveled Soul, yes. Yeah. So- why don't you just touch on that one then and how you've kind of, because it's it's kind of cool that now you've kind of hit the the children and then now you're working in with people that maybe have some other challenges in their life to give them some space to feel the same thing. So why don't you just share quickly about that? Okay. So a year ago, I spoke at a conference in the spring and a very prolific author, Jen Stark, was in the audience. After she reached out to me and said, my mother's friend has dementia. I've been using your I Believe in Me program with her, and it works really well. I'm curious if you would be interested in developing this again for another audience where we hold a lot of the same things that are being done with children for those with the Alzheimer's dementia. Work on changing some of the language, make it more adult. And again, I was in the middle of another project. I stopped because I knew this is big. So together we rewrote it. It launched in September, but we made it bigger than the original intention. By the way, it also spoke to me deeply because I have three older siblings and they are all in various stages of dementia, Alzheimer's. But we decided why stop there? Why wouldn't it work for someone with a brain injury, someone recovering from a terrible illness or a terrible accident? What about a veteran? So it's written in a way that it can be used for any adult audience, where they're just in the middle of their suffering and they're not finding the hope that they need to move out of that space. So there's a caregiver's guide and an adventurer's guide. And the caregiver's guide gives all the instruction to the person who's working with their loved one, friend, it's for nurses. Everything that's in there is for them to use. And then there's a separate one for the person who's actually going through it themselves. And in the program, there's poetry this time. There's something called Conversation Corner, where at the end of each session, they're being asked to tell three different stories. And you don't have to do it all at once, but it's to create then this legacy of their stories by the end. And one question is directed about the past, one about the present, and one about the future. And again, there's there's a reason for all this. So... What I haven't really shared is once I write these programs now, I donate them back to all of Mike's trainers 
So they're in the hands of all 3,000 of the trainers to use in addition to whoever else out there would like to have their hands on it. But it's all over now because of that. And yes, I just said, here, take it, use it, please. The idea is to help. So the idea is go big, give big. (laughs) Rebecca, you are incredibly special. I've heard so many different pieces just through this quick chat where you've had the recognition and the awareness to pivot and change, to lean into something, to, you know, grow for yourself. And just even this morning, I was reflecting on, I want to show up as the best possible version of me so that I can help others become the best possible version of themselves. And you mentioned something a few minutes ago about you had to work on yourself for yourself. I want to ask you about that because I think a lot of people leverage the relationships they have with either their spouse, their parents, or their children and use that for motivation. And I want to ask you if it if you think that it's actually stronger to get deeper to work on yourself for yourself versus for somebody else. Oh, absolutely. Why? Because if I'm in a relationship with anyone, the first one, the best one, the most necessary one is the one I have with myself. I can't show up any other way for anybody else than I can show up for myself. So if I want a loving romantic relationship, I really ought to look in the mirror and say, you know, you're, you're all right you're worthy of love. So whether it's a financial relationship, a romantic relationship, whatever the relationship is, I think you have to have it with yourself first. And if you if you don't have that, then yes, I think it's important to work in that, that space first. One of the things that several of the trainers and I have talked about is for those that don't actually get out there and do what they're hoping to do, this is the space. It's where are you within yourself if you're not willing to go out and do this yet? Is it, what are you afraid of? And my own personal experience was I was afraid I would feel ashamed, that I would feel small, that I would feel unworthy. So I needed to correct those things. And I often looked at myself because the voice said, you'll work with the younger you. And I had to look at who is the younger me. So for most people, I think, if you ask them their advice on how they would do something, say something, share something with a child, they'll know immediately. Now ask if they would do the same for themselves. So yeah, I wanted to love myself as much as I would love my child. I love my kids. (laughs) So yeah, I think the deeper work is, is to work on yourself first. You mentioned fear. Is there anything that you are currently fearful of? Ooh, I think the ones that are that are important to be fearful of, like, you know, don't jump off the roof and try to fly. <laughs> I think some fears are important. I do. But I also believe there's only two real emotions, love and fear, and everything falls under one of those two umbrellas. So when I look at fear, I evaluate if it's real or if it's what we refer to as a limiting belief. If it's a limiting belief, can I shift my perception? Can I shift my perspective, look at it differently and realize, 
I'm just making this up in my head. I got over most, I'd say all fears when I went through my work myself, when I did this program initially for myself. There's really not very many things I'm afraid of now that I have control over. Mm-hmm. So that's another caveat. There are some things don't. I fear for my children sometimes, those kinds of things, but I think that's just innate. Mm-hmm. It's part of what keeps us alive. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of running into bears on the on the, you know, hiking trails. Me too. Not real crazy about them. But as far as the things I can do for myself, not really. So there's it's like a two-armed approach in my in my view on things. Like there's the fear piece that might be holding you back, but then there's also like the belief piece that is going to push you or pull you forward. We spoke a little bit about the fear night and how to start to overcome that, but like the belief aspect on things, how do you compound that belief in yourself to continue to want to grow, to conquer some of those fears, to retrain your brain, to get rid of that fear, to then continue to kind of compound the belief? Well, what you said is exactly right. It's retrain your brain. Most of us were given beliefs as children and even as adults, they were given to us, these things you should believe. So you have to ask yourself, are these things preventing me from being happier? And if so, what can I do about that? Because the other thing we haven't talked so much about yet, but I'm sure we will is, to me, success is happiness. So it's not necessarily, you know, a financial thing. It's well-balanced. Am I healthy? Do I have good um, friendships, relationships, a good, you know, in love with my husband? Like, this is all part of success. But many people do not necessarily believe they are worthy of those things. So when I come across a belief that is in the way, I have to look at it. Is it true? Or Is it just something made up in somebody's head, given to me, and I adopted it? Because I can change that. I get to choose what I believe. So if it's a limiting belief, if it's limiting me in my life, how do I turn it into an empowering belief? And that's a lot of what this program is all about. So for kids especially, I want them to believe in themselves. That's why I called it I Believe in Me. In each session, they need to say, what's the name of this program again? I Believe in Me. What? I can't hear you. I believe in me. So when you get solid in that, you can overcome the other things. You can shift your perception. You can look at it from a different perspective. But, you know, it does take work. If, you, if you're if you not in that space, I would just say be willing to really look at what you believe, where that comes from, be willing to work on it. And by the way, your beliefs are what drive all of your thoughts. So every thought comes from a belief. What do you believe about life, the world, yourself, your body, love? Are you worthy of it? Are you worthy of lots of money in your bank? Are you worthy of that? And most of the time, what I what I get from people is, well, that's kind of for those people over there. That's not for me. And I was one of those people. And it turned around starting at the age of 54. So it can happen. I'm I believe that happening at nine and eleven. <laughs> well, and you guys are there. You're my kids' ages, but you're already there. So that's one of the other reasons I wanted to do this with you guys. 
You're the young one coming along and leading by example with, here's how it can be, here's how it should be. Yeah, there's definitely a generational shift in that for sure that we're seeing. And I know you're leading the charge and and one of the things I'm going to get to here before we jump into our giving section where we ask you some questions about giving, but I I wouldn't be doing the audience, I'd be doing the audience a disservice if I didn't ask you about the rap you created for kids. As someone who is the most introverted, fly on the wall person, you went and created a rap to almost get kids to buy into you in a different manner. So I'd love for you to share how that came about and <laughs> what that's like, what, what inspiration and and from a training standpoint, you know, how did that change the reaction you had from kids and how did that get them to buy in and, and get them to appreciate more of what you were putting forward? So once I said yes to doing this program, I would wake up in the morning and I, I call it channeling or downloads. I couldn't keep up with the information that was landing in my head because I wasn't really creating this. I was channeling it. Like it just came and I would be like, I would argue with the voice in the morning and go, I have not had coffee yet. You are, n- we're, you're going to have to wait. And it would just keep, and one morning I woke up and one of my friends said I was channeling Dr. Seuss. Because I literally woke up, I came downstairs, I didn't even have my coffee yet, and it was thoughts become things, that's what they say, no matter who you are, which not in every day. And I was like, what is happening? And the next thing you know, I had written down this entire rap song, and there was a verse for each chapter of the kids' program, and the voice said, yeah, you are going to do this because this is what kids will listen to, this is what will get them excited, this is what they're going to find to be fun. And it was absolutely right. It really became the favorite. You know, we did all the teachings, but they needed to work on the rap song, a verse. And the words are what's important conceptually in each chapter. And then I would video them doing it. And the following week, they'd come in and I'd show them their video of them doing it. And of course, big fun, lots of excitement. And yeah, one morning I woke up, this is one of those stories, but I'll be short. And I opened my phone and there's an organization that I gave the program to. For my 60th birthday, I donated it to any at-risk youth organization worldwide that just reached out and asked me. I put them on a Facebook group page. I had the videos there, all the written materials. So Care for Nigeria is an organization that reached out to me and I gave them the program and they sat with it for a few months. And then one morning I opened my phone and I have, I can hardly do this without crying. So, (laughs) and this group of Nigerian children are singing my rap song to me. Mm. And yeah, I kind of fell apart. You know, it was one of those knee drop moments where I just couldn't compose myself. So it has stuck. I walked into Homeless Families Foundation to drop off a check just a couple months ago, and this beautiful young woman looked at me and said, are you the I believe in me lady? And I said, yeah. And she told me who she was. I hadn't seen her in six years, and she immediately broke into the rap and you know, started doing the whole thing. And she went through the entire rap song. And I thought, oh my gosh. And she was working there as a volunteer at 15. I met her when she was nine. See, I told you, you're incredibly special. (laughs) Well, (laughs) 
I think sometimes that when we go through tough stuff, if we can look at that in the way that where's the gift in this tough stuff, you do what I also know you do, Randy. You turn around and you help others with it. You you create a gift from it to help others. So, you know, there's a saying, hurt people hurt people. I also believe hurt people help people. Mm-hmm. So, I think too, like one of the things that I keep coming back to to this conversation is that like you got out of the way of the message as well. Yes. And I think that really helps like the voice, the universe, God, whatever that might be, exactly. like amplify the impact and the effects. Question about giving. Okay. If everything reset mm-hmm. and a complete stranger came up to you and said, hey, Rebecca, what do you want to give to this world? What would your answer be? Empowerment. When I created my intention after I got to the place I was sort of traveling to with all of this, I knew that what I wanted most was to help others feel what I was feeling, which is I can do this and anybody can fill in their their this. Everything in life is is done because there's a feeling that we want and that's what drives us. It's not the car, the house, the money. It's the feeling you get when you have the house, the car, the money. And I still remember when my kids were young, I said, you know, when you're feeling something and it's the greatest feeling in the world, you think, you can ramp that up one more time if you share it. So one day when my youngest son started to drive, he called me and said, Mom, I'm looking at the most beautiful sunset, and I know how much you love sunsets. So I just wanted to share that with you, and I thought, and there it is, right there. Does that answer your question? (laughs) It does. I want you to lean into that, though, just as a follow-up. Like, how does, how does giving compound your own empowerment? I think when I give, it's one of the best feelings of all. I feel connection. I feel love. And it's for, for, for more than me. It's for everything outside of me. It's to be, you know, you said it. How can I be the best human I can be today? Part of that is helping others. And, you know, there's a saying, something like, you know, you can give them a fish or you can teach them to fish kind of thing. So to me, better to help someone learn to fish than just hand them a fish. Now, I also think, though, that people are in different places. So if you don't necessarily have a lot of time, but you do have money, then you can give that. If you don't necessarily have a lot of money, but you have time, then you can give that. If you've done something like create a program, write a book, anything that is helpful to others, then you, you give some of that because what you will receive in return is a feeling that's unlike any other feeling that you can drum up for yourself. It's that connection to, you know, the creator, the divine, God, source, universe, whatever word you want to use. You're working in conjunction. You're you're a team now. You're doing the best you can to be the best human you can and to participate in life the best way you can. I love your philosophies around this and 
And I could sit here for an hour and ask you questions around. Now we're getting to the good stuff, the, the giving section of business and life and everything all coming together. From a place of abundance, which I know you operate from and, and you help people get to is this place of abundance. As a business owner, a lot of people focus on abundance being like, I need to get money so then I can be free and create more time. And a lot of people think if I give money away, then it's going to take me longer to get that freedom that I want, right? If I give money away, then that's money I could be using to create the freedom. But once I get time freedom, then I'll go donate. How in the way of explaining this, would you share to someone like, you should actually start giving from the beginning because you'll actually receive more on the other end? Well, part of that I just touched on a little bit. Everything we do in life is motivated by a feeling that we want. So I'm going to go back to that. If the best feeling you can have happens when you give, it's not it's not a lack. So it, you know, if I give it, I'm not going to be missing anything. I'm actually going to be creating the best feeling that I can. If I am afraid to give because I am afraid that then I will be missing something, that's a lack mentality. There's an energy about all of these things. It's feelings first, manifestation second. So whatever feeling you want, have the feeling first, and then you will manifest more of what will will materialize in your life for the feeling. So when you give, it's because you feel you can, you love the feeling that you get from it, but it's it's an energy vibration. There's a frequency attached to that. And so that good feeling brings about more good feelings, which brings about more materialistic manifestations, experiences, more joy. It's the part I think I wanted most for people to understand young so that they could avoid the whole chasing the dollar. It's it's a different thing. It's an energetic, it's just energy. It's all it really is. So what energy are you putting behind it? Oh my gosh, I'm afraid I won't have enough. Or there's plenty to go around. There's more than enough. We constantly say, my husband and I, how much do you need? I mean, <laughs> you know, our needs are met. We have less wants as we age. But I think that's that's part of my answer, Randy, is it generates a good feeling from the very beginning. And because you feel good about yourself and because you feel like you can do this, you will have more without even understanding where it comes from. You don't have to understand where it comes from. Just understand that it's an exchange of energy. And if you give, you will receive. It's, you know, and that's not why you do it. You do it because it makes you feel good. And as you feel good and vibrate high, everything unfolds in a better, more positive way. I know one of the fun things you did yeah. I know one of the fun things you did was that you started giving your program away to a bunch of nonprofits and, and you donate a bunch of your speaking fees from from outside sources and you make that happen. What, as you hit retirement and then now you're kind of giving stuff away, what are you feeling inspired with now? So obviously you're retired, but you realize that, hey, I'm giving now. You know, when you go speak, you don't need the money, but you want to speak because it serves and you can make impact. At what point do you feel that kind of like shift for you? where you're like, hey, I actually don't want to do this anymore because I'm, I want to retire, but I also am now stepping to the, I'll say like the giving section of my life where you really don't need much. And it is just completely serving where 
whether you get paid or you don't, all the money gets donated, whether you give the program away, you don't, it serves people. What's kind of the the space you're in now? I often say I live a fairy tale life. And that is really how I feel. I, I live a fairy tale life. But how does that continue? Uh first of all, believe you live a fairy tale life. I do. As I said, uh our wants have become less. You know, I, I want more like time to just sit on my deck and stare at the woods and listen to the birds and those sorts of things. So um, continuing to do my best to maintain a balance of all the things I want to feel, meaning I want to feel the connection to friends and family. Sometimes you have to create that space and you have to work at it like anything else. I still want kids to get this message. So I'll continue to do what I can to help. I want as many people as I can help get the message to get the message. And again, it's not about me. It's about the message. It's about how wonderful it is to live in a space where you're genuinely happy and you don't feel full of fear and you can find something wonderful about each and every day, each and every moment of each and every day, pretty much. Again, it's it takes it takes some work, but once you get there, it's like language. I don't think about the words I'm going to say. I don't think about most of these things as I go through my day. I just kind of do them. As I mentioned, though, when we're getting into specifics, I love what you guys are doing. If there's anything I can do to help, I'm in. So I do want to still continue to support those things that resonate. And sometimes when that happens, it really is like the universe takes a two by four and just whacks you in the head and says, here, right here. And that's what happened when uh, Kelly told me about your organization and the mission. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. She's coming out of retirement, folks. I'm I'm here. <laughs> you know, but again, that's going to be balanced with health, family, all the other things. So I'm not going to be on the front porch rocking in a rocking chair. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe a little bit here and there, but in general, I'd like to stay involved and do what I can to, you know, help other people enjoy their life and feel good about themselves and go after their own goals and dreams, realizing that they're as worthy as anyone to do that. In this fairy tale life that you <laughs> have, is there a moment, is there a favorite moment of giving that you can share with us quickly that doesn't have to be the biggest check? or like the biggest global impact, but just the thing that really speaks to your heart the most? Yes, and it's just one individual. So when I was delivering the program at Homeless Families Foundation, I walked in one afternoon and one of the teachers approached me and said, Rebecca, we have a new student and I wonder if you could add her to the class, the I Believe in Me class. And I said, oh, Miss Connie, we're several sessions in. I'd, I'd like for her to wait until the next one begins, if that's okay, because it's very layered. And she was wringing her hands and she said she could really use the class, Rebecca. And before I could even answer, she said, by the way, she doesn't speak and whatever you do, don't touch her. Well, now I knew exactly what we were talking about and my heart kind of cracked a little bit. And I said, sure, bring her by. So she brings the student in, her name's Lorraine. Not really, but we're gonna call her Lorraine. And she's a little 11-year-old. She's got a giant, oversized, probably double XL adult hoodie on. And she's got her arms jammed down into the pouch. And she comes in. 
goes over, sits down in the chair, kind of slides down, and the body language is extremely protective. So, welcomed her to the class, didn't really ask her any questions, just went about the class, always smiled at her, nodded at her, but that was as much as, you know, I wanted to do because I didn't want to push her, obviously. As the class progressed through the weeks, she sat up straighter, she pushed her hood down, she had her arms up on the desk, she was smiling, she was engaged, she was listening. On the very last day, we have a party, and they get a bag with some goodies in it, including an I Believe in Me t-shirt, and it's meant to go over your clothes. So she pulled hers out of the bag, and she set it down, and she reached down and pulled off this giant hoodie she'd worn every time she'd been in the class. And she put her T-shirt on, and she got up, and she started to dance around with the other kids. Aww. And I realized that all of my own fears finally being put aside created that moment for someone. So as I was cleaning up, I could feel someone behind me. And I turned, and the cafeteria is empty. She's standing there by herself. And... I looked at her and said, Lorraine, can I help you with something? And she took about three steps forward and she looked up into my face and she said, I just wanted to know if I could give you a hug. And at that moment, it's still to this day the most profound moment in all of those experiences because that was me. You know, that was that was the younger me, not only in that space of the Homeless Families Foundation, but that child specifically. So it's very healing to work with the younger you if, you know, there was trauma. I would say that was my favorite moment for sure. But again, anytime I get an email or photos sent to me in my presentation, I show photos of, you know, villages in Zimbabwe and foster care centers, places where children are up for adoption. And there's a part of me that feels like I'm reading somebody else's story. I'm looking at someone else's book. I don't attach to it at the same time. I can't describe fully the feeling of knowing those kids are being helped. So special. Oh, kids, kids just get me. The, uh, always, I'm like fighting back the, the, okay, I got to finish this podcast out here. Getting the, the sweats on our end. So thank you for sharing that, Rebecca. That's so special and so amazing for you to do. And is a, a great way for us to transition into what we call our giving round, where it's just some rapid fire questions around giving. Now that we've opened you up, are you ready for them? I'd love for you. I always to have just... to pull myself together a little one after that. I know. I yeah. back there to tell the story, and you know, it was emotional. Oh, and thank you for sharing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, do a little rap dance here. We'll change the energy. <laughs> no. So, why don't you uh, brag on one charity that you like? With the Homeless Families Foundation, when I speak outside of the conferences, what motivated me to? to do that because again, I, I've gotten better at just, you know, getting out of the way and delivering the message. But at first it was really hard. It was just no part of me, again, that wanted to be in front of an audience. But I made the decision that if I did do it, then the money would go to the Kids at Homeless Families Foundation. And that's what motivated me to push through the part that I don't necessarily like 
to deliver the message was to donate to them. So Homeless Families Foundation, the month of June, I donated book sales for my Infinite Possibilities for the Well-Traveled Soul program that are on Amazon to Alzheimer's Association. And then just a favorite for being a favorite is World Central Kitchen. I love Jose and the fact that he goes around the world and feeds people. Well, we're getting more excited donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping others. This was a tough one for me, and here's why. I think having a million dollars to donate is amazing and awesome, and that's got to be an incredible feeling. So I see the value in that, but I also feel the value in being present with those you're working with, so of the same mindset, and also those you're working to help. So I feel like being immersed in a week of that would be like heaven on earth because you're you're immersed in that good feeling for that whole time. So I think it's a both and. One would probably be a little shorter or you'd have to revisit it again later, but a week immersed in that giving feeling. Yeah. It's pretty powerful stuff. Who inspires you with their giving? Again, I have a friend who doesn't have much, but volunteers to feed the homeless every Tuesday in San Diego. His name's Jared Schuster. I have a friend who puts together books once a year, huge ginormous book drive and sends them to a school in the Philippines. I think I think Jose, I mean Jose, what Jose does is incredible. I don't like to, you know, put a quantity amount or whatever. I think anybody who gives of their time and their energy is doing the right thing. So I I value anybody who volunteers or gives, especially if it's from their heart. I know that you have a extensive library. <laughs> so other than your own, what is one book you believe everybody should read? Infinite Possibilities. <laughs> besides that one. Oh, besides Infinite Possibilities? Ooh, because I, I, you know, I also love like the mists of Avalon, you know, and anything King Arthur related. And so historical fiction, many lives and many masters, Brian Weiss. Yeah, besides my own. <laughs> Do You Quantum Think by Diane Collins. That's actually the book I read before I ever took Mike's training. It's brilliant. Amazing. I would say that one. Yes. What's the first thing you thought of when you heard go big to give big? The first thing I thought of was just continue to work on your own success. Again, whatever that means, so that you can help others. Very simple. Easy. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, my answers one... are usually this long. <laughs> <laughs> in one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Connected. Mm -hmm. I really like that word. To Ali. Yeah, very connected. The final question we have for you today, Rebecca, is the age-old question. I'm sure you've heard it and probably answered it somewhere in your life. But do you believe that money can buy you happiness? Happiness is an inside job. So I know a lot of people with a lot of money who are not happy. 
So I think having it, what you do with it can make you happy, but having it in and of itself, no. So, do you like that short answer? <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. No, that's awesome. And and we can leave it there. That's a perfect answer. Is is I truly believe that as well. Is that more money doesn't bring you more happiness, but how you use it can. So correct. Ab- absolutely yeah. amazing. And that's a, a perfect way for us to end on Rebecca. And I just want to thank you again for coming in and being vulnerable and sharing with us and enlightening our audience with such incredible topics and. I want to give you a sec to to brag and find where people can find out some of your content if they want to learn more about you. Oh, gosh, that part. Okay. If you want to find out more about me, the programs, what I'm doing, I have a website that is rebeccasagoda.com. And it is is this will be spelled out somewhere so people can look at it, right? Because otherwise, you're not going to get that whole PSI thing. So it's justmyname.com. The kids program, you can link to it from that, but it is also I believe in me for kids.org, and that is the number four. Again, easier to just go to my website and find the links. The books that are on Amazon, the program for Infant Possibilities for the Well-Traveled Soul, you will find that information also on the website and the links to the books on Amazon for anyone who is a caregiver or working with an adult who needs some permission to dream again right now. I will be speaking at the next Infinite Possibilities Conference. Can I talk about that? Sure. (laughs) Okay. That is going to be September 7th through the 10th. You can find out more about that on tut.com under events. I am one of the last day Sunday morning speakers. I do speak on both programs and some of what you've heard in this will be there. And it's the foundational program that got me started in all of this so so i highly encourage it and let's see my email address all those things the contact information you can get all of that off the website so i would just say if you would go there that's great beautiful well thank you again rebecca for coming in and inspiring us to continue to go bigger with our dreams and goals so that we can give bigger with our profits and just leaving feeling very inspired from today's podcast so thank you again for coming in and sharing thank you rebecca Good to see you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.